Well, good morning, everyone. How you doing today? It's good to see you. Um, Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven. God is speaking, and He says, "I am God, the Lord over all mankind. Is anything too hard for Me?" And that tells us that God has strong confidence in His own ability to handle even seemingly impossible situations. And at the very end of our time together this morning, you're going to hear from a married couple who has found God to be just that for them. So give you something to look forward to. Well, in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and we're going to read aloud together several of the classic texts from the Bible on the subject of worship. And uh, this weekend, we begin our December series called The Treasure. And our hope as we go through this these next several weeks, as we explore worship together, is that our hearts will become prepared to offer ourselves to Jesus uh, as our birthday present to Jesus because Christmas is his birthday. And we want to celebrate it in a fashion and in a form that would be uh, pleasing to him and appropriate for him, okay? So uh, before we read those texts, though, let me just ask this question, and it's been a while since I've asked it. How many of you were raised in church? Could I see your hands? You're ra- any kind of church, raised in church. Okay, a number of you. Uh, How many of you weren't? Would you raise your hands? You were not raised in church. Okay, good. You can put your hands down. Those of you who are not raised in church may have an advantage as we come and talk on this subject of worship because I think a lot of us who grew up in church came across a lot of notions or ideas or beliefs about worship that attached themselves to our minds like Velcro and in some cases, they, they're not accurate. They're not, you know, it's skewed. And so those of you who weren't raised in church may end up having an advantage uh, in this, on this subject. It's, I, I think in my own life, I've had to do as much unlearning in this as learning when it comes to worship. But it's probably true that none of us comes to this topic with a blank canvas. We all have notions and ideas of what it means to worship God. And my challenge to all of us would be this, that you would open up your heart and mind and let the Spirit of God and the Word of God form and shape your belief, your notion, your idea of what worship is, okay? So let's do this. Let's stand together, and up on the screens are going to appear some texts from the Scriptures, and I want us to read these aloud together with some oomph, okay, with some energy. Uh, We'll leave the references out. Let's just read the words of the text, okay? Here we go. Clap your hands, all you nations. Hey, that's good. Some people were clapping over here. That was awesome. Like doing what the Bible says. Okay. How awesome is the Lord, most high, the great king over all the earth. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving And extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. 
For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. This is the word of the Lord, and you can be seated. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, I think it's ironic that growing up in church, I don't recall ever hearing a sermon, a message on the topic of worship. That's not to say that one wasn't given. I was more tuned in to Lisa across the way in church and making eyes at her and trying to get her to notice me. So it's possible that that messages were given on the subject and I just didn't get it. It just went right by me. But I don't really think I had a clue at that time in my, my early days of being brought up in church of what worship was. I knew that we called these things that we do on Sunday worship services. And I probably figured it had something to do with music because we would sing songs and call that worship. But I don't know that I could have given you a definition of worship if you had asked me in those days, what is worship? If you had pressed me, I probably would have said, well, worship is going to church. It's what we do at, at church. That's, that's worship. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe your understanding or view of worship is maybe you, that's what it is or maybe it's hazy to you. What I believe today is that we need to get our definition of worship from the pages of God's word, from the Bible. Otherwise, we're just afloat in a sea of opinions. We need to to look at the scriptures like what we just read and ask ourselves, what is worship? And I'm indebted to a guy named, a pastor named Louis Giglio for a definition of worship that I think captures the essence of biblical worship. And I want to read it for you first. It's on your outline there. It's going to come up on the screen and then we're going to read it together. But let me just read it for you first. 
Worship is our response, both personally and collectively, to God for who he is, exclamation point, and what he has done, exclamation point, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. Doesn't that just capture worship? I think that it does. So we're going to say it aloud together, and when we get to those exclamation points, I want you to say exclamation point, because those pieces are very important. Now, we're not going to say the dashes, so we're going to discriminate against the dashes, okay? But the exclamation points we're going to say. So let's say it together. Here we go. Worship is our response, both personally and collectively, to God for who he is, exclamation point, for what he's done, exclamation point, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. Worship is our response to God. Now, a little sidebar here, okay? Well, that's not really a sidebar. It actually has to do with what we're talking about. But this, this word, worship, this English word, where did it come from? It's actually the conjunction of two words that somebody put together a few centuries ago, worth and ship. Worship is worth-ship. It is ascribing worth or assigning worth to something, saying that something is valuable, treasuring something to the point where you're devoted to it. That is what the English word worship means. And that being the case, I think that we could say that worship is the activity of the human soul. Worship is not what Christians do Worship is what people do. We all worship. Every one of us. Go anywhere around this world, you will find people assigning value to things, ascribing worth to things, saying, I'm, I'm all about that, I'm devoted to that, I treasure that. Everyone you see is a walking billboard for something. They're worshiping something. So worship, I believe, is the activity of the human soul. Go anywhere, dig up any ancient civilization and you will find artifacts of worship, objects of worship, places of worship. Back in the first century, Paul, on his journey, made his way into a a city, the city of Athens, a very cultured and refined city. And as he walked into Athens, he saw a bunch of idols, a bunch of gods, a bunch of carved images laid out there, and he walked in and he said, wow, I I perceive that you are a very religious people. They weren't Christians, they weren't believers in the one true God, but they were worshipers. They even had an idol down at the end of the row, said it had a little ascription that said, to the unknown God. It's almost like we don't want to leave any God out. There's all kinds of gods we worship, and in case we forgot anybody, here's one to the unknown God. (laughs) Paul picked up on that, he said, let me tell you who that God is that you don't know. Worship. I was reminded of this when I was in India a couple weeks ago. They're worshiping all kinds of gods over there in that part of the world. But you know, it's not just people of antiquity. It's not just people on the other side of the world who are worshipers. We here in this country, we're worshipers too, aren't we? We're worshipers. Everybody's worshiping. Everybody you know is a walking billboard for something. They're devoted to something. Their, their, their life is a trail And if you follow the trail of their affections and what they're devoted to and their values and their behavior and what they give themselves to, that trail will lead to a throne and there is something or someone sitting on the throne of their life. It might be a boyfriend or girlfriend. It might be money or success or power or pleasure 
or sex or ambition or a dream or their kids. Everybody you know is worshiping something. The question is, is what you are worshiping worthy, deserving of your devotion? That's the question. The scriptures we just read clearly stated that the absolute only object worthy of our our worship, our cherishing, our treasuring above all else is who? It's God. God, the God who made us. Everything else is less worthy than he is of our devotion. And anything else that you or I devote ourselves to above God is called an idol. And I tell you, we live in a country full of idols. We're an idolatrous country. People assigning worth, ascribing treasure, value, esteeming other things higher than God. So I think our definition captures the essence of true, biblical, God-centered worship. Let's say it aloud one more time. Worship is our response, both personally and collectively, to God for who he is, exclamation point, and what he has done, exclamation point, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. So let me break it down a little bit for us. First, it says worship is our response. You know what that tells me? Worship is something that we do. Worship is a verb. It is an action word. Worship is our response. Now, growing up in church, I kind of got this idea that worship is something that you watch. <laughs> like you come to church on Sunday, like we all do, and then we come in and some people come out from behind the curtain and they get their instruments in hand and these bright lights come up and everything's cool and the band sounds good and they start playing music and we say, we're coming to watch worship. But our definition taken from the pages of Scripture says, no, 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 no. Worship is not something that you watch. Worship is your response. It is something that you do. Worship is that thing that you do. Think about the words that we read from from the Bible a few moments ago. Action words. Shout unto God. Kneel and bow down. Sing songs of joy. Proclaim his salvation. Bring an offering. Clap your hands. Tremble before him. Offer your bodies. Rejoice. Be glad. Give thanks. Declare his glory. Action words. You see, worship involves our activity. When we get a a view of who God is, who he really is, and that begins to take root in our hearts, it begins to move us into action. To action. If we really see it with eyes wide open, we we say, Oh, oh God, that's, that's who you are? No way, I didn't didn't realize that. That's who you are. You're that good. You're that holy. You're that merciful. You love me that much. You sent your son to die on the cross for my sins. No way. I got to move. I got to do something. I got to go somewhere. I got to tell someone. I got to sing something, give something. Worship is an action. And it's a response. We don't initiate it, really. God initiates it. When he opens our eyes to what he's doing all around us, when he opens our eyes to what he's doing in our lives, when he opens our eyes to who he is, worship is our response. When we say, oh, okay, now I see that you are a great, big, glorious, redeeming creator God. 
That's full-on biblical worship. That's, a, that's an all-in kind of response, isn't it? I love Romans 11 and 12, and we read it a few moments ago, but the last verse of chapter 11 of Romans, Paul just kind of, you know, you can tell he's, 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 he's gotten worked up because he's written these first 11 chapters about God's mercies. And he starts off in the first few chapters talking about how the world was doomed, how, how we, were, we were under judgment, we were condemned because of our sin and rebellion, and there was no hope. And then in chapter 3 he says, but God came along and, and through the glorious gospel he crafted this plan whereby Jesus came, the Holy One, the Son of God, came, lived that perfect life, died on the cross, paid for our sins, made a way for us to be reconciled to God. And he goes on and on about this amazing Jesus Christ and what he's done. And then by chapter 11, at the very end, he says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And then first word of chapter 12. Therefore. That's a response word, isn't it? Therefore, in view of God's mercies. If you get it, it's like Paul saying, if you really get it, You respond to it by offering yourself as a living sacrifice back to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. In fact, the King James says, this is your reasonable service. It's like, that's the only response that makes sense. It's it's the only correct response to say, God, I'm all in. (laughs) All of me to all of you, I surrender. I'm on the altar. This is my worship, my life that I give back to you. All-in worship. Worship is our response to God, both, both personally and collectively. We'll come back to that in a minute. To God for who He is and what He has done. Over and over again in the Scriptures, we see people responding back to God with praise and worship for who He is. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. And for what He's done, crafting this incredible plan of salvation and redemption and We see people responding to that. But you know, when you follow the trail of many people's lives and you find that throne, you know who's sitting on it? Themselves. You know, they go, it's all about me. Oh, that you would do things my way. I worship me, I worship me. The reason I live is to worship me. I exalt me. We never sing it like that. But the truth is, in some of our lives, our values, what we cherish, our affections, we've been captivated by other things. And we treasure ourselves above God. You see, worship, true biblical worship, is our response to God for who He is, what He's done. And then it says, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. Especially the way we live. Because we all know it's possible to just render lip service, right? You know what lip service is? That's when you come in on Sunday and you sing to the king. You know, you're singing songs with your lips, but within 10 or 20 minutes of leaving this place, you know, it's, that whole mindset is gone. Jesus had some words to say about 
lip service. Matthew 15, 7. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Well, well, we'll talk about this more next weekend, but here's the truth. All of your life, all of your life, not just your words, but all of your life is to be worshipped to God. 24, 7, 365. That's worship, biblical worship. Let me cycle back to uh, those that little phrase I skipped over earlier. Both personally and collectively. Worship is our response to God, both personally and collectively. See, true worship is expressed both by what we do individually and when we come together in this place. And I think those of us, though, who are raised in church, we immediately default to church. And we think, well, worship is that thing we do when we come together on Sunday and we sing songs and we do things. And, and sometimes our view of worship is narrowed to just that. And sometimes we have thoughts like this. Well, I'm going to church to worship. I'm going to church to worship. But what if we were to let God cause us to unlearn that kind of thinking and learn a different kind of thinking that says this, I'm going worshiping to church because I got up this morning worshiping God. And I got out of bed this morning. I said, thank you, God, for a gift of another day. Thank you that I'm alive. I have another day to live and breathe, love my family, work, serve, serve you. What if we came to church already worshiping instead of maybe dragging in here where we're totally wiped out and we come in and we need our, our, our worship buzz, you know, our praise fix to get us through the day. And that's okay if that's where you're at. But, but what if a whole congregation of people decided they were going to worship God all the time? And so you're at work, you know, and in your exterior life, you're doing your job, you're carrying out your work, but on, on the inside you're saying, God, I just, I love you. I, I offer my life to you. I offer my work to you. May my work even be worship to you, God. And what if on a day like Saturday when you're, you know, maybe going to a rec- your daughter's recital or your son's game and you're there and you're watching and you're clapping, it's great, but in your heart you're saying, Jesus, I am so grateful for my family. You've been so good to me. Thank you for life. Thank you for health. Thank you for bodies that can run around on the field and do those sort of things or talents that could play. And what if on Sundays, what if we got up worshiping and we were riding in our car to church and we were worshiping on the way in and we walk in the doors and we're already worshiping. And then when the band strikes up to play, something erupts. Now it's collective worship from people who are worshipers. Do you know what happens when three or four or five hundred people, worshipers collide in a place and worship God together? Now it's with like-minded, kindred spirit, brothers and sisters who, who have the same treasure, Jesus. Do you know what happens when that occurs? Do you know what, what the, God says, I'm, I'm going down there. <laughs> I want to inhabit the praises of my people. I want to show up. And the presence of God is thick in a place like that. This week I just spent time thinking about the times in my life where I experienced that. Being with worshipers, worshiping in a place when God showed up. 
I very distinctly remember the first time. I was nine years old, (laughs) and uh, my dad had decided to take our family to a, a Christian camp. It was called Mount Hermon Family Conference Center, I think is what it was called. This was in 1970, okay? I'm nine years old. We're at this camp, and uh, it's kind of fun, and they have activities and stuff to do during the day, and I remember playing shuffleboard and ping pong and all this stuff, but at night they would have these gatherings, and all four or 500 people would come together in this like amphitheater, kind of open air in the back, and I still remember the ancient, decrepit guy who spoke, gave messages. His name was Vance Havner. And what I remember is that he, would, he, he kept saying the same word over and over again. He kept saying, desperate. He'd say, you've got to be desperate for God. And he had these huge jowls that kind of shook when he said, desperate. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm getting desperate to get out of here. You're scaring me. But then when he was done, the people started to sing. And they started to sing a song, and it went like this, Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. And I'm nine years old. I don't have a clue, but I'm thinking, I think I got the words on this one. And I join in, Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. And something happened in that room. I felt chill bumps then like I am now thinking about something, the climate changed. The atmosphere in the room changed. Something was supercharged. There was electricity there, spiritual electricity. I didn't know what, I didn't have a clue what it was. I just know that it was very attractive and very appealing. And then they started singing, there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I knew that there was. And I felt it. And I remember thinking, oh God, please don't let this end anytime soon. This is is good. I don't know what it is. Fast forward about nine years to, um, I'm on the other side of the country. I'm in Bible college. I'm fresh off of just surrendering my life to Jesus Christ, just with abandon. Jesus, I'm yours, and he forgave me of my sins, and I I repented and all that, and I'm fresh off of that, and there's these, they they have these services on Sunday night. Students, 1,200 students pack into this auditorium. And these are, it was kind of like you had to want to be there to be there to get a seat. And they would sing songs and they would worship and then a guy would get up and teach us the word. And, and you had 1,200 students whose hearts were just inflamed with passion for Jesus. And I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again because I like it. We'd get on the buses to go back to campus. Campus is about five miles away and we'd get on these school buses about... 50 kids would pack on a bus and it's late at night and we're heading back to campus and inevitably, spontaneously, some student would start singing a song. And like that, 50 students were just at the top of their lungs praising Jesus. I still remember, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Do you know this song? When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. And the windows of the bus would fog up because you got 50 students at the top of their lungs abandoning in praise. And I can remember, you know, squeegeeing the window so I could see through. It's like, oh no, we're almost at the turn onto the campus. God, no, let our bus driver miss the turn. I don't want this to end. Please, oh God, this doesn't have to end, does it? Because I feel like I was made for this. I feel like I was meant, created to worship. Well, we moved to Columbus and started this church in 1985 and 
God blessed. And then in 1990 and 1991, here at this church, we went through the worship wars. <laughs> and that was the year, it was a very difficult time when we as leadership just felt that we need our whole worship needed to change and we needed to not sing about God anymore and start singing to God. And get our faces out of the hymnals and look in, and it was different and it was a change and we hadn't started that way and people struggled with it and a lot of people left because they couldn't get their arms around this and it felt, and we, you know, changed the music style and so forth. All that was a lot of change and it was very difficult. And just a few years later, and I remember people would say, you know what, it's like a, this is a hip, young people thing, you know, and we're not really into that. But I remember a couple years later, my wife and I went down to Cincinnati to take a course at a church down there called Apples of Gold course, a great course. And it spilled over to the weekend, and we ended up worshiping, worshiping that Sunday at College Hill Presbyterian Church in Cincinnati. And this is a Presbyterian church. So we don't know what to expect. And we're sitting there in this service, and they're doing different things, and all of a sudden, they start singing a song. I remember the song. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. Do you know this one? The name of the Lord shall be praised. And I'm looking around, and it's mostly gray-headed, white-haired people. No offense, but that's mostly who was there. And all of a sudden, I start seeing hands going up in the air. And I start, I look at some people and there's tears streaming down their face. And I remember thinking, this is not a hip, new, young thing. This is a Jesus thing. <laughs> and I've got elderly saints all around me just worshiping Jesus Christ because their hearts were captivated by his grace and mercy and his majesty and his beauty. A couple years later, my dad came out from California to go to a Promise Keepers event, and a bunch of guys here went. I think it was 96, and that year the event that we went to was held in Pittsburgh at the Three Rivers Stadium, and it was July, okay, so it's hot. And you got 60, 65,000 guys filling up this stadium, and we're sitting down on the third baseline, and the sun's beating down. And we're hearing, you know, speaker after speaker and, and the worship band. And my dad's there next to me. And guys are stripping down because it's so hot. You know, you don't want to see all that. <laughs> I remember at a break, I was so hot. I left the stadium. I went out. I jumped in the river. Okay, it's Three Rivers Stadium. So there's rivers right there. I jump in the river. I'm cooling off. These two local guys walk by. And one guy stops and goes, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> I'm like, I don't care if I glow the rest of the day, okay? I'm, I'm cooling off. But we went back in, and I remember they, they came back after break with holy, holy, holy. So you got 65,000 men in tune with God crying out holy, holy, holy. And uh, then they sang the, the family worship song. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My hands flew up in the air. I was crying. My dad's next to me. I look over at him. He's crying. This is my dad, okay? He doesn't cry a whole lot. We just had our third child, and so, you know, I'm thinking about our family. As for me and my house, we will serve you, Jesus. And there was just something that set in that place that was like, God, may, please don't let this end. <laughs> I think of a few years ago here in this room. It's just typical weekend service, and we were worshiping, and 
were, we were singing that song, um, Oh, sing for joy to God our strength. And for some reason, the people in the congregation started to kind of move towards the front. I don't know why. Came up and kind of filtered up to the front, kind of became this packed choir <laughs> lifting up this song to God. And I'm there in the midst of all, all of those folks and thinking, oh God, this is so good. You're here. We're feeling your presence. Come. Make your presence felt here, you know. Please don't let this end. I think two and a half weeks ago, I'm, I'm in India with Steve and Joe, and we're over there doing teaching and training and so forth, and we, we go up north to a place called Nagpur, where they've invited ministry leaders, Indian nationals who are leading churches and small groups to come for some training. And all day we do training. And we're meeting in this, this basement of this Catholic guest house thing. And it's, you've got 40, 50 people packed in there and it's hot and stuffy and they've been there all day. And then in the evening, they start kicking up in some worship, some musical worship. And it's Marathi worship. And so the tambourines start coming out and the music starts playing, and people start singing and lifting their hands, and they're singing in tongues, unknown tongues as far as I'm concerned, because it's another language that I don't know. And here's us, we're the only three white guys, you know, in this room full of Indian folks, whom we don't even know, we don't, you know, we've met some of them, but we don't know their names, we don't speak their language, but we share a common treasure, Jesus. And so they're brothers and sisters, and we're there praising, and then a very interesting thing happened. Young men kind of filtered up to the front, to lead out in worship. I'm talking about 17, 18, 20, 22 year old guys kind of unprompted come up and start to sing and dance and play instruments and worship Jesus leading out the young men. And I'm there and I'm I'm worshiping. I don't know what's being said, but I know it's about Jesus because I hear his name every now and then. And I'm thinking, God, this is so good. Please don't let this end. You know, someday it's not going to end. <laughs> and if you're, if you're a true worshiper of Jesus, your heart aches and longs for that day. When together with people from every tribe, every tongue, every language, every nation, you'll come together and for the first time, with un, unhindered by your flesh, you'll begin to offer the Lamb of God your lives once again and for all time, for all eternity. Because he's deserving of it. He's worthy of your praise and worship. I'm telling you, what if the congregation of New Life began to see Jesus the way he really is? You know, you can't work it up. You can't manufacture it. And if you're not there, you just say, okay, this is where I'm at. I'm not there, God, but but would you open my eyes to help me see your mercy so I can offer myself living sacrifice to you again and again so I can move and be active and go and tell and share and give and worship as a response to who you are and to what you've done. And when a, a church body comes together like that, I'm telling you, God shows up. God shows up. And healing and miracle, I mean, that's the time in the presence of God. Well, we'll talk about this more next weekend. One day it will be your privilege and mine to join with the heavenly worship band. 
and the rockin' multicultural choir to give Jesus your full, heartfelt worship, offering all of yourself to all of him. And to say, I'm all in. (laughs) I I can tell you this today. If you're still kind of negotiating with Jesus, you know, I'm not quite... You haven't seen him. You haven't seen him yet. And that's not negative. It's not bad. It's just a statement of fact. That's where you're at. You haven't seen him. You see, worship is our response to God. Great view of God equals great response. Puny little tiny view of God, puny little tiny response. And so we got to get a vision of God. And maybe that's where you need to start tonight. Would you bow your heads? Our dancers are going to come up and our team, and we're going to worship in a moment here with, I hope, abandon, (laughs) expressing ourselves with activity to the God that we adore. But let me ask you this first. If we followed the trail of your life, if we knew what your affections were, your heart desires, your ambitions, your behavior, your daily routines, where would that trail lead? Who would be sitting on that throne? Would it be Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Would it be you? I hate to break it to you, but you are a a poor substitute for God. Your kids are a poor substitute for God. Only God deserves his rightful place on that throne of your heart. And so today, if you're just not there, just whisper this prayer. I whisper it often, actually. Dear God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Open my eyes that I might see you for who you really are. And then my response in worship will be great because my view of God is huge. Lord, that is my prayer for myself and my friends, this church. May we see you in your glory so that our response of worship will be great, will be in measure with what you deserve from our lives. And may we worship not just with our lips, but with our lives. May we be true worshipers. I pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.